In this week's episode of Inter, we'll be discussing the draw against Napoli and the subsequent exit from the Coppa Italia. We'll be previewing the Sampdoria game in the Serie A this weekend. Special guest James Horncastle, this week's Moji Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on Sampdoriainter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavali Ruzzari, wishing you to a uh, quarantine uh, version of, uh, of Studio Inter, the one we haven't done. We, we haven't done enough pod for about three months uh, because of all the madness that has been going on in the world, which everyone in the world is, 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 is fully aware of. Um, but we're not going to talk about that. We want, we're going to talk about the football because there actually was some football played um, this weekend. It started and it's going to continue and it's going to, pl- it's going to continue throughout the summer every three days. So, get, so, so you know, strap on and let's go. Uh, and here, uh, to, and, and I'm joined by, uh, uh, as always, uh, by a, a, be- a wonderful panel, starting with the Semperinter preview writer, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. You know, I caught you there almost saying beautiful about the panel. <laughs> well, you were going to be right about that as well. You know. <laughs> That's true. But, uh, guys, I can't understate uh, or underline uh, my excitement to being back at this. This is oh. amazing. Even though we're using archaic um, Skype as a platform, every, you know, everyone knows the cool kids are on Zoom now. You know, so, oh, okay, but no, okay. nonetheless, I'm very excited. <laughs> Well, are you, uh, have, you, have you switched jobs to Zoom from, from, from your own job and you're doing like a, like a commercial for them now? No, but no, Zoom is better, um, uh, I guess so. But we, we don't, I don't do audio. We don't do video. We just do audio. So I figure, you know, uh, if that works, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look at it. I'll talk to producer Renato uh, and see what he says. I listen well, probably to Probably just as well, all of our lockdown haircuts. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. And that is the me, London media personality, Mr. Will Beckman, introducing himself and his hair. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the other side-ish. Uh, um, I hope Hopefully. everyone stayed safe. I hope everyone's kept a smile on their faces. And uh, most of all, I hope you've had a good rest because it's not even been 72 hours since football returned and I'm already at the end of my tether. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to another pod. It's good that you're that we Mo is here because I'm with you right all, all the way there, Will. I, oh I, tweeted, my I, was, God. I was tweeting. I was hoping the season. When will it end? That's how I. <laughs> that's how I, I, I woke up feeling like Malizani this morning. Front <laughs> pages. Because they calcio, junga cazzo. Honestly. Um, and and also in the background we have a very good friend of the show who since we since this uh, unfortunate break has changed jobs and been pumping out content like no tomorrow quality content as well for the athletic welcome back mr james horncastle pleasure to be here i must say when you said we've got football coming this weekend i was like have we really it's feels like <laughs> such a strange concept to have games of football going on that that means something to us I would say, uh, given that uh, the Bundesliga has been back for what three weeks now, so yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, um, and we're also joined by our very good friend uh, from Canada, all the way uh, the TSN produ- producer over at TSN, Mr. Michael Gallo. How are you doing, Mike? 
I'm doing great. It's great to be back with you guys. Uh, it just it feels like we're starting a new season right now, yeah. but we're in the previous season still. Yeah. Very rare to have club soccer in uh, in June, but uh, excited to be back and excited to be back talking with you guys. Well, let's get to it then, James. I mean, you know, you you started working for the Athletic and you started pumping out content, and this during one of those. Uh, one of the things you put out that I that really hit home for me for obvious reasons is you know it was a 10 year anniversary of the treble and you your interview with Jose Mourinho which I mean of all the interviews I devour of him when he talks about the 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 treble this one really stood out for me um, because it felt like he really opened up to you and and what he what he said I mean what can you tell us about that interview how, how did you feel doing it how did it come <laughs> to you. Well, it was quite surreal, actually, because um, he was just walking around Tottenham's training ground um, with his hand in his pocket and uh, his phone to his ear. And uh, I think he'd spoken to Gazetta uh, maybe a few weeks or maybe even months before. I know that their interview, which kind of came out the same day, was in the pipeline for a lot longer than the one that I did. Um, But I think... What resonated to me about that interview was just how much that team still means to him. You know, everything that we kind of hear about Mourinho these days about how he has this abrasive personality and falls out with dressing rooms and finds it very difficult to kind of strike up a rapport with, um, you know, various players. Uh, yeah, that's clearly not true um, of that interside. And um, in some respects, I think. Uh, it makes him all the more fond of uh, the memories that they made together and the relationship that they still have, which I think uh, a lot was made over the the weeks leading up to that anniversary that they they're all on a WhatsApp group together. Uh, They still speak. um, And, you know, whenever there's someone's birthday or wedding anniversary or the anniversary of a game that they played in or someone scoring a goal, they all remember it. Um, And, you know, from all reports, you know, Jose is one of the most active people on that on that WhatsApp group, which again, yeah, isn't something you tend to really associate. I mean, uh, when you speak with a lot of footballers, some of them, uh, they're careful not to make too many relationships within the game itself because they know that they can be sold at any time, that it's a short career and that those friendships might not last. And so when you hear him uh, talking about how he's still so in touch with uh, with that group of players and that they're still so close, um, it is pretty special, really. It is. I mean, I have a follow-up question on that theme about what you said about it's, it's, it's so special. You know, unique to see um, Mourinho, uh, you know, have such a great relationship with them, given that mostly he's been known for getting not getting along with with dressing rooms. Do you? Th- I mean, I personally have a theory about this, and that is that it's a generational shift. That it seems to me that players born after 1989, for some reason, he can't connect with them. And but 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 older than that, he can he can build relationship. It's like they have social tangents that they can build upon. Do you think there's maybe something to that? Well, I also think with that inter-team, I can imagine, uh, you know, having followed Roberto Mancini for for a while now, that that team will uh, be no stranger to having a manager come in at halftime and absolutely cuss them out um, <laughs> for, for making a mistake or not doing what, whatever they wanted. And I think, you know, maybe in that respect, they were they were better prepared for what Mourinho was, was going to be like. I think also that intergroup had very strong characters to see 
in it who would stand up for themselves and uh, gave as good as they got. And I think Mourinho respected that. Um, they respected that about him. I mean, you know, a lot of the kind of stories they share now are kind of, uh, you know, about him coming into the dressing room, haranguing Julio Cesar and then sort of kicking over a uh, an ice bucket and falling over at the same time. Um, and I think Zanetti tells a story about Cordoba, um, who wasn't in the team all that much that season. He you know, sort of made a, a few cameo appearances and Mourinho kind of justifying it to his face by saying, come on, Ivan, you're, you're 33 now. And, and, and Ivan would cut, no, I'm 34. You know, I, I think the, the, those sort of those sort of characters, I think, were more amenable and and, and more receptive of Mourinho's ideas than perhaps um, today's generation is. Um, but I don't discount uh, him from being successful in this uh, in the modern era. Still, I know a lot of people feel the game has moved on that. Um, you can't set up for games and win in the same way that uh, his Porto and, and Chelsea sides uh, did, particularly particularly in Europe. Um, but he's still won a trophy, I think, in every in every, every job he's had, um, even at Manchester United, which was seen to go to go badly wrong. So, uh, it, I suppose it's it's what do we expect of Mourinho now? Um, I think you know in that first six years of him being um, very much the kind of leading man in European football between 2004 and 2010. It felt there was nothing that this man couldn't achieve. We judged him on kind of unprecedented standards that he was setting, um, for example, winning the treble. Um, and now whenever he he falls short of a league title or going far in the Champions League, we tend to think he's a diminished um, coach when in actual fact by modern standards, he still keeps things ticking along quite nicely. Um, I, I just feel that, uh, I think it's really interesting when you look at, uh, when he goes from one job to another, say uh, Porto to Inter to Chelsea, um, three different countries, three different languages. And yet in retrospect, you find he uses the same tropes and where they, they all felt quite new at the time, like him saying, Zero tituli, um, you know, which he'd done <laughs> at Chelsea and he did it, he, he did it inter, um, you know, sort of uh, intentionally getting the name of someone he wanted to slight wrong. So I remember, was it, was it Beretta, the Siena coach, he called Barnetta. And um, there was Tito Villanova, who he called Pito Villanova. And, Lo, and Monaco, Lo Monaco, that is, uh, that's the best uh, one ever. <laughs> Monaco yeah. di Tibete, Bayern Monaco. <laughs> brilliant, so, absolutely brilliant. I, I think we're all kind of wiser to these kind of um, tricks that he, he used to think, uh, he used to uh, play and, and, and we will all be wowed by them. Um, I, I think that there maybe has been, well, there certainly has been Mourinho fatigue on, on, on the part of, of, of the English media. Um, and I think if you look at uh, Italy, even though it, it kind of, his relationship with the local media soured um, towards the end of that season. Um, you know, remember him sort of pushing Andrea Ramazzotti. Uh, Andre, is it Andrea Ramazzotti? Yeah, it is. Uh, the Corriere della Sport um, uh, journalist. And, yeah, they're, they're essentially having a, a boycott of his press conferences and then they're kind of, yeah, we're not going to hold press conferences anyway. We're going to have a press silence and boycott it all. It, 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 I, I still feel that there, there are certain countries that have been 
may be exposed to a high concentrate of Mourinho over a short spell of time who still revere him and don't have maybe the same fatigue that we we do here in England anymore. I, I, I get the impression he would be he would be welcomed back with open arms um, in Italy were he, were he to ever go back. Well, I mean, he's always he's, he's never said anything about returning to Inter. I mean, did you get anything? Did he say anything? Did he did he give any kind of clue as to before taking the Tottenham job that Inter had been in touch with him? Uh, you know, before appointing Conte, uh, and that he would be open to returning. Was it anything like that? No, I didn't get any impression of that. But I don't think we ever really uh, we really approached that subject. Um, however. I think because it's a new uh, management team at the top at Inter, new ownership, um, certainly new people who are you know, sort of advising uh, the president on on who should be taking Inter forward for the next three to five years. I I think that there was a reluctance, there's an awareness that things have changed in European football, and that Mourinho isn't isn't yesterday's man, but perhaps. Uh, to uh, it, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be going back to move forward. I don't think. I, 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 I also I, I also think there's a very conscious kind of um, effort on on Inter's part. Yes, to be successful. I think that that comes first and foremost. But B to kind of be in step be in step with the times. And uh, I think yeah, I, I'm sure we're going to get into this about Antonio Conte. But I think they made the right decision um when it came to appointing him and i think he was their number one target and uh unjustifiably so i don't think there was any other coach in marotta's mind when it became apparent that um uh, they were going to be moving on from spalletti at the end of last season i'm going to hand you over to uh, mo did you have a question for james yeah james i mean another uh i uh like a very well discussed uh, topic about uh, Mourinho and the treble, and I, I'm sure every any interista, especially uh, one in our age bracket, could go on and on for ages about it. But uh, uh, you know, another to- another topic that we're uh, that's quite hot at the moment is, of course, uh, Lautaro's uh, Lautaro's future um, at Inter or outside of it. Um, if you were his uh, his manager, what would you advise him? Like uh, seeing the players' qualities and and, and what he wh- where he fits on the pitch, what system he plays in best, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. What, what what advice would you give uh, Lautaro? Well, if I were his agent or or coach, is is that what you agent. what do you mean by agent. manager? Agent. agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm an agent. So sorry, sorry. I'm an agent. I want to get paid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it depends where my priorities lie, really, <laughs> whether I'm thinking what's best for my client or what's best for me. Um, I, well, I mean, let's let's uh, let's play the argument that you're a, you're a, an agent who recognizes that uh, future uh, a growth of uh, the, the capital gains on a, an existing asset could mean a bigger payday in the future. So you want to develop the asset to its maximum potential. That's that's your objective. Eventually, the payday will come. I think you go to Barcelona um, just because they are, with Real Madrid, the biggest club in the world. You are going to attract um, more endorsements there, um, at least at this moment in time, than you you will at Inter. Um, yeah, it's it, it saddens me to say that because I'm a big 
fan of City A and its big clubs, but that is the economic reality of the last, um, certainly the last decade. Um, I would so I would say I mean it's it's even something that I think Juventus were kind of tacitly aware of when they when they first signed Paul Pogba. I remember Andrea Agnelli saying that um, it was a stepping stone club to it wasn't a destination uh, for Pogba. They the, the best they could hope for would to be a transitory stage in his career to going to um, to a club that has the money. And the platform um, to to kind of satisfy him or where he wants to be. Now, with Pogba, that hasn't worked out. I think with with Lautaro, if I'm Antonio Conte, I'm I'm tearing my hair out and needing another hair transplant um, <laughs> uh, with with this because uh, I think Lautaro is uh, is a fantastic player. I think he's I think I've spoken about him on this podcast before. I think he's a really intelligent player. How he can uh, he can link up with more or less anyone who anyone he plays with uh, can play on his own up front. He can play with a partner, um, and uh, we've seen particularly in the Champions League this season, he's been he was the player who delivered in the big games so much more than Lukaku. I know Lukaku scored in in both of the the Milan derbies, but uh, and he scored away in Naples in the league. But for the most part, the the goals that have mattered. Have, have tended to come from Lautaro. Um, uh, I think for Lautaro, he's in a win-win situation, right? Because I know mm. Inter at this moment in time, I have no intention of in- extending his contract um, because he's got another couple of years to run, but um, he is going to be at a club that will be in the Champions League again for a third season in a row. The club keeps getting richer and richer because of, because of being on that Champions League platform, it can attract better commercial partners which means he's going to uh, increase his earning potential and become one of the highest paid players at the club along with uh, with Lukaku. The issue, as we saw with Juventus, when, as I mentioned, when they signed Pogba was, uh, yeah, I think at the time, their their wage ceiling was something like between five or six and a half million euros. Yeah, Barcelona and Real Madrid, that's what they pay Junior Firpo, you know, something like that. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I, I think... It depends really what Lautaro wants. I can see how tempting it is to go to Barcelona, play with Messi on a regular basis. I think Lautaro fits um, the profile better than any other player in world football at the moment to be Luis Suarez's his replacement. Uh, I, I, I think there are great similarities in how they play. Um, but as a kind of City Af fan, I would obviously like him to remain at um, uh, Inter rather than... Ha- watch another kind of nine months of an Alexis Sanchez restoration project. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Um, I'll, um, I'll hand you over to Will. Did you have a question for James? Yes. Um, returning to what we saw on Saturday evening, I mentioned earlier that um, the doom and gloom has returned extremely quickly over into his heads after three months of uh, no football. It's as if everyone's picked up with the opinions they dropped at the start of March, um, <laughs> despite the fact that I thought on Saturday, you know, oh no, but why, why are you laughing? This is, this is, I was, I was listening to the radio. I'm laughing. I could no, not I'm believe my ears. I'm laughing. The fans calling in. But I just what, did you miss football or did you just miss being a pain in the ass? Like what, <laughs> watch the football before you talk. You've, no, the world is barely turning again. And no, we've been but... flung head first into an inquest about, you know, a match that we pretty much 
dominated. <laughs> I mean, am I the mad one here? I couldn't no, believe, but, and then you see all the newspaper headlines as well. Are you uh, telling me that you know? Because I, I you see, I agree uh, with that. That wasn't thought, actually a question. I last one. In the no, it wasn't. No, no, <laughs> I, I agree. I, I agree with the newspapers. I thought it was. It pissed me. I haven't been this angry after an interview in a very, very long time. I mean, uh, I was fuming. I was absolutely uh, re- seething with rage okay. after the first half. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Ask the question. We can argue. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll argue afterwards. But anyway. Um. So. Moving on, you know, what what did you make of the performance was where I think I was going before that went in, off in another direction. Um, is it fair to be critical? And, you know, is it fair that there are some Inter fans who are suggesting that Conte has not improved into, in, at all in the last nine months uh, and that, you know, he's not he's not all he's cracked up to be, etc. and so on? Because there appears to be a surprising number of people who who subscribe to that school of thought. Yeah, it is surprising to me. It's maybe not a shock um, because of the hyperbole and, and hot take era that we, we kind of live in. Um, I suppose you can look at it this way, um, if, if we're going to play devil's advocate and side with these, uh, with these critics, is that it's another season where Inter, uh, you know, we went into it, I think, with, uh, with a lot of hope and expectation around this team because of the, the manager that they appointed, because of the signings that they made, you know, breaking the, the, the club transfer record twice. And, uh, yeah, they, they may well end up trophyless, which, you know, for Conte, but for that brief spell he had at Atalanta, um, it would be the first time he's ever had a season without some kind of silverware. Um, to to show for it, um, I, on Saturday night I actually thought they played well. I think they deserved more. Um, they deserved to go through. I, I, you know, I, it was again one of those kind of frustrating evenings where Inter didn't um, didn't score the goals that their kind of football uh, merited um, because I, I think the. There were a number of chances, be it with, uh, the, I think, the clearest one towards the end when uh, Alexis Sanchez back heels it to uh, to Christian Eriksen and Ospina makes the save. Eriksen could maybe have put it more in the corner than, than sort of just just off centre. Um, but they kept creating. And I think, I think you know, what was quite interesting after, what, three months without any, any football was how we began to see some sort of new solutions to, 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 to how to build up their play. Uh, Ericsson looked um, more kind of included and, and more a part of what they they are doing um, than he had been uh, when he when he shortly shortly after joining uh, the club. Um, so in that respect, it's encouraging. Uh, but uh, some of the things I didn't like from that performance. I mean, I think Nima brought it up on on Twitter on the night. What is why when you know you're not going to extra time, are you bringing oh. on Stefano Sensi? so late um, in that game, uh, particularly when you've got, you know, five substitutions that you can make. And, you know, the first one, he brings on Alexis. Fair enough. Alexis, I thought, had had a, had a bit of an impact in the game. You then do your classic Conte thing, which is my wingbacks run themselves into the ground, so I have to change them. Um, and then, yeah, sort of Renocchia for De Vrij and Sensi for Eriksen. I, um, that kind of let me left me scratching my head a little bit. Um, and I suppose it kind of fits into a bit of a pattern that, but for the the two games against uh, a mediocre Milan in in the derby and um, the win away in Naples in the league, where they won there for the first time in 23 years, 
uh, Inter do have this kind of braccino corto, you know, the the, 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 the the tennis player's kind of shrunken arm, uh, which is quite the image um, that Italy gives us in terms of sporting sporting idioms. But um, it's a good phrase. I, I I think this is this has been a theme throughout the season where Inter played really well in games where uh, in the past they haven't. Um, so for example, an hour away at the Camp Nou against Barcelona, they were very good. Um, probably their best display ever there, I would say. You know, better than when they had Mourinho and Inter's trebles winners. And I know it's a different. Barcelona side but the way they kind of took the game to Barcelona and caused them problems that was really encouraging same kind of first half hour versus Dortmund um, and uh, in both of those games they end up losing the game um, and uh, and they haven't really shown up in either of the Debbie d'Italia against Juventus as well uh, so that that is something that um, you might even say uh, has been a bit of a step back, really. Particularly the performances against Juventus, because Spalletti had a Spalletti way. Spalletti did so well against the good teams, didn't he? That was the yeah. thing when we got in the Champions League. And and I particularly remember how yeah again Inter Inter rarely won the games against Juventus or even got points against Juventus, but they performed well to the mm. point that you you left those games uh, either with a sense of injustice or oh come on really. Um, so I think that is where I'm sort of critical of Conte this season. How much of it is down to him, given clearly the game plans he puts in place are the right ones because they get the team into the position to be either in the lead or or, or cause their opponents problems. Um, you know, back in October and November, his complaint was, I'm playing the same guys every week. The squad doesn't have the depth that um, that I know. <laughs> that, I, that I, I needs. Just, I, it's, it's provocative. Just listening to you say it just pisses me yeah. off. Like it just, it just doesn't. It, there's no reality. I mean, rem- that quote that you're referring to, the I, we only bought players for Sassuolo and Cagliari. <laughs> yeah, those two players happen to be your best ones, mate. <laughs> yeah, that was just, I'm, that was I'm really looking to, to, to when Tonali, Tonali joins and he can basically say, oh, we've only signed players from Sassuolo, Cagliari and Brescia. <laughs> this is a disgrace. Um, yeah, this is very much his new 10 euros in a 100 euro restaurant, I think, um, uh, as he said, as he said at Juventus. So... Uh, I mean, to, 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 to circle back and say, has he improved the team? I think undoubtedly he's improved, uh, improved the team. I mean, Inter are not going to go to the final day um, wondering whether or not they're going to be in the Champions League. Um, I mean, I know there's still 13 games to go and it's Inter and a lot can happen, but I would be very surprised if that were the case. Um, I think it's more the kind of memories that they've, get, that, that they've given fans. I mean, I've been to a lot of Inter games this season um, and... There's been an atmosphere in the ground and a kind of uh, this is it. We're we're on to something here that there perhaps hasn't been that conviction that conviction at games before. I mean, particularly um, uh, how they came out second half against Milan in the derby um, in the in the second in the second game um, and just this general. I think that there has been generally a feeling that they've been moving in in, in the right direction. I think. It was just three rounds ago. I mean, it's three months ago, but three rounds ago that they were top of the table, um, which isn't all that long ago. And I, I know we could point to the fact that, as with every year, into there was a kind of sloppy kind of period through Christmas and into the new year where they drew too many games. And 
I think it's those kind of home draws, um, you know, that they had uh, along with the two results in the in the Debbie d'Italia that are responsible for them being looking, at least on paper, so much worse than Juventus, when in actual fact they're more or less the same as Juventus, I would say, in terms of... Um, in terms of the results, because ultimately, if they if they beat Sampdoria at the weekend, that the six points between them and Juventus are those two defeats in the Debbie d'Italia. In what is it? Death, taxes, Christmas, and Inter's Christmas depression. Those are things. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I'm gonna hand you over to Mike. Mike, did you have a question? Yeah. Hi, James. Uh, my question is on the uh, the away goals rule right now in regards to matchups that had a first leg with fans and now a second leg without <laughs> fans. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, curious because, you know, it wasn't really a factor with Internopoli because Internopoli had won that, you know, first leg on the road. So it wasn't really an advantage there, but say, you know, Milan, Juve, Coppa Italia, and, you know, perhaps Juve, Lyon, and Champions League, whenever they figure out when they're going to play that match, Juve is going to, you know, be at a disadvantage for not playing with fans at home to get back into that matchup. So do you think uh, away goals should be scrapped for these specific matches that uh, one leg has one fans and or has fans and the next one does not? Interesting. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the, the kind of big talking points of, of getting this restart underway has been to try and keep as many things that um, were part of a, a normal orthodox season as possible to kind of maintain these elements of sporting integrity. Uh, I think that was one of the kind of uh, key kind of flashpoints about the five substitutions rule, um, even though I think that's uh, essential in, in a season where you're now going to be playing in Inter's case, um, you know, 13 games, you know, with only, what, the 30 minutes between each of them. Um, so I think no no solution uh, to this restart was going to be perfect because we are, uh, we're working in kind of imperfect, um, an imperfect environment um, right now. I... <laughs> It depends. I, I do think there are some teams that are that do stand an advantage by by in the current situation where there are little or no fans or little or no presence within the stadium. I thought Arrigo Sacchi made a quite you know kind of <laughs> provocative point about this um, in Gazetta a couple of weeks ago, where he says like, yeah, I expect Sassuolo to do really well because Sassuolo they hardly have any crowds anyway, so you know it's it's fine. Well, I mean, um, this was the year for Chievo to be in Serie A, wasn't it? They could have made the Champions League. <laughs> uh, so, so you, so you don't see. So I mean, you don't subscribe to my to what John, my my colleague on the Serie A show, John Solano, calls him his favorite boomer. Zdenek uh, Zeman, when he said that, you know, Campionato Falsato, etc. You don't subscribe to that? Well, I mean, there's always there's always something that leads people like Zeman to cry that the Campionato Falsato is false. He's not there, is he? Like, he's completely lost the plot, hasn't just, he? No. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, ultimately, the only reason why football is being played at all at the moment is because of money. Um, and, uh, you know, how... Uh, so many clubs are so dependent on TV money, and uh, otherwise, I think they would have done what had happened in France, um, which is now looks like a premature decision, which is just to cancel it and come back. Um, so, 
I, I, the thing is, uh, I uh, I believe that come August, when the Champions League restarts, we will begin to see some fans, a small a small percentage of fans, be allowed into the stadium. I know that's something that um, has been called for by the president of the Italian Football Federation. I know it's something that UEFA want. How you then choose who those fans are and how uh, and what criteria allows them to you know get access uh, <laughs> above other fans, I think is going to be a, is another debate. But in light of that, perhaps um, allowing the away goals rule to stand st- still makes sense, even though you're not getting a complete home advantage, say in Juventus's case, you're not getting 38, 42,000, however big that stadium is. Um, and it's a really loud stadium, really loud stadium, um, sort of uh, behind you and against uh, Leon. Um, but then again, Juventus shouldn't really need a home crowd to beat Leon. Not that their uh, first leg was particularly encouraging in that regard, but there you go. <laughs> you mentioned, um, Mike mentioned that there was a possible... Uh, idea to scrap the away goals rule. Andrea Agnelli had a, an even better idea. So why don't we just scrap the first legs? Because, you know, they were, they were three years ago. We're going to play in 90-minute matches to the end of the tournament. Why don't we just start now? You know, I'm sure yeah. that, that's, that's a Go great on, idea. Man. I think I can't see any potential hit from that whatsoever. Uh, he, he, sometimes, sometimes it's better to just be quiet. <laughs> you know, it's like with the, the the amount of nonsense that Agnelli's had. I mean, just I mean, I, I I saw that you know that clip he said about Atalanta using them as an example. Uh, I, I you know that was a lie. favorite moment of the year so far. No, but I mean, first, <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean first, I mean first of all, that was that was in English, so there was no need for people to suggest that it was in Italian and it was lost in translation. The interview was in English, and I watched it. You just had to pay like two euros, and you could watch the whole damn thing uh, live stream again. And he said what he said in English, and he speaks absolutely fantastic English. So there's no lost in translation there. Um, so no, it's. It's it's Andrea Agnelli, you know. <laughs> he's, 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 he does what he does. What can you say? Yeah. Right, just, uh, James. Uh, yeah, sorry. Here I was go. just gonna. I just had one quick question. We were talking about Europe. I, we heard plans, reports today that the Europa League will be a series of sort of one-off matches now from now on. I just wanted to ask James. Inter have been so bad in sort of one-off do-or-die <laughs> matches. Does this actually make it less likely that you're going to be successful in the competition this year? Because I'm less confident in a 90-minute match against Hitafe in sort of Gelsenkirchen, wherever it's going to be, than I would have been over two legs. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what? I mean, I go into every sort of Euro- European knockout stage, particularly in the Europa League, where inevitably, inevitably an Inter or a Roma has dropped into it and you... Uh, you look at them on paper and you think, yeah, they, they they should be able to at least make a semi-final or get. And they never, they, they, you know, with the exception of Napoli, who did it what under Rafa Benitez and uh, Fiorentina under Montella, they never do. And uh, it it still baffles me about uh, about Inter, um, particularly in a sort of Inter's great history in that competition. Um, you know, I think. It, uh, it going to a one-game knockout. State, I mean, you know, on the basis of Saturday night, um, I can see them, you know, having 26 shots, 15 of which are on target, um, and and uh, and Getafe nick it one nil. That's that's. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think Getafe that's... are like Napoli at the moment, aren't they? They they'll just they'll just sit there and punch into in the face, and then uh, a couple <laughs> minutes at the end, they'll nick something with uh, 
one of their 35-year-old forwards. Followed by, followed by Antonio Conte's classic moan and rant after it. That all they do is defend. Boo! <laughs> oh, I, I can't stand him. I, I'm sorry. I just this man drives me insane. But, and and what and, and, and everything he says is so contradictory. And he's arrogant. And he also says <laughs> stupid shit and stuff like that. You know the stuff he said about this this notion of. You know that that if you play defensively, it's like cheating. That's the kind of nonsense you hear from Barcelona. You know that that's what you you know you expect that from the Meshkeon club hypocrites because that's kind of. What they are. I mean, but, would you guys have been uh, pleased uh, had Inter won the Coppa Italia? Would you would you have been uh, using that to point to kind of progress on the Conte, or would you be uh, like, yes. ah, it's a proxy competition? No, absolutely yes. I would not. I absolutely would not. I, I, I really wouldn't. No, no, me, I, I, no. Uh, the, for, sorry, Nima, but for me, the 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 clear indicator of uh, of progress is how less panic there is to qualifying <laughs> to the Champions League from the last right. last match day. Well, that's, we've set that's the bar it. pretty low you know, last I mean, season, so I think we should exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. You know, so 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 any any comparison between uh, last season and this season is completely invalid because of just the, the mess up that uh, happened towards the end of the season or to the middle and then towards the end of the season last year. So For I think me, the Coppa Italia yeah. is, is it, it, I mean, it is what it is. Look, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice pat on the shoulder, you know, but I've, I've said this before <laughs> on this podcast, you know, don't tell that to the, you, you don't didn't get that, the gig for advertising the final. Right? Yeah, don't, don't, don't tell <laughs> that to Gigi Buffon. I think apparently ultimately, ultimately <laughs> the Europa League is so much more valuable. And I, I just I have this feeling that this is this is this season. Like, um, I, I think oh, Inter's no. problem when it comes to Europe is, has been how badly stretched and, 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 and shallow the squad is. But if it's being played post everything, you know, you don't have to worry about the Sampdoria game. You're playing on Thursday, but you have to worry about the Sampdoria game on the Sunday. You don't have to worry about the Sassuolo away game on the, on the next, you know. I think it's just going to be a different, a different story. It's, uh, you know, quarterfinals, semifinals, final, bum, 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 four matches. Same. I think... I hear what you're saying, but Hitafe is exactly the kind of name that would fit perfectly on the list of clubs that have knocked out Italian sides in the last seven or eight years. Absolutely, you know, Ludogorets, Ludo agreed. Copenhagen. Agreed. I mean, they Salzburg. are a poor. They are a poor man's uh, Atletico Madrid under Simeone, aren't they? I mean, let's yeah. be honest. I mean, uh, they're a nasty team. Hapoel Beersheba. <laughs> Oh, that was the groups. Give us some. I was just. I was only thinking knockouts. Otherwise, it really does get depressing. But Uh, but I gotta say, I got some there. And the singular focus. (laughs) Dnipro, I think. And desire. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm to answer your question, James. For me, what I want to see is progress on every front. I wanted right. that, that's what that's what I wanted to see going into this season with Conte. Uh, what I wanted to see was was qualification from the Champions League uh, from the group stage of the Champions League. That he failed. I wanted to see a final, a minimum final of the Coppa Italia. Okay, he got further, one step further from the quarterfinal last year to the semi-final. Slight improvement, but barely noticeable. Um, third position, that's what I expected Inter to finish this season. We'll see. We'll we'll have to wait and see. And when it comes to the Europa League, I wanted to see at least a semi-final final. That to me at least shows, even if he doesn't win a win a trophy, there's improvement. But 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 uh, but I mean that doesn't mean you know that's just on the result result side of it. But anyone, but but if it would be very unfair. And I, again, I'm not Antonio Conte's biggest fan. 
but he it, it would be very unfair not to tell not not to acknowledge the fact that he has brought in a lot of positive things at Inter. He's brought an identity to this team. They have an idea, they have an ideology. They it's not crosses and inshallah like it was under three years under with Spalletti and everyone else. Just knock it into the corner and pray to God that Icardi gets on the gets on the on, on the on the end of it and scores. It's not that they have an identity, they have a they have a they have an idea of how they want to play. They have they have scammy as the Italians say. All of that is there, and that's all thanks to, to to Antonio Conte. It's just that Antonio Conte has been given more money than any other Inter manager, even more than Mourinho was in 2010 and 2009. And this is what he has to show for it. It's Ashley Young. It's Victor Moses. It's Cristiano Viraghi to play next to those horrible players from Sassuolo and Cagliari. And it's never his fault. You know, it's, it, this is what drives me mad. There's no coherence. There's no, he, the man acts, there's, there's, I, don't, I don't see any red thread in, in what he does and says and how he communicates. And that provokes me. It really does. Yeah, I think Inter, uh, <laughs> it, it's been really interesting following him this season. I mean, I was in Singapore for, for, for their kind of uh, poorly attended games at the uh, International Champions Cup, which again was a real eye-opener watching them play. Uh, United and there being like a, a a tiny wedge of Inter fans uh, in a red sea of, of of United fans and 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 those Interisti had come all the way from Indonesia. Shout out to the Indonesian uh, Inter Inter club. Sure. Um, uh, but even then, he he was saying, you know, we're behind. Um, uh, certainly in terms of getting the players out, uh, that's that he no longer considered. Um, kind of conducive to the kind of spirit that he wanted in the, in the in the team, and the mentality that um, and the standards that he wanted the team to set. Um, and you know, there was the front page of Gazetta. Was it today? Which was scontento, which was which yeah. was like unhappy. Which is like, when is he ever contento? No, that's no, I mean, he is incontentable. <laughs> that's the pun. But that's yeah. his that's his weakness, and that's kind of his strength as well. You know, it's, yeah. but it is quite grating if he doesn't get results but it's kind of you know it's not a surprise is it you know, that's what he does and i i just sort of I, take I, it I, as it I, is I, you know i understand why it's annoying and i'm not you know when i went on that run earlier i wasn't saying there wasn't problems i was absolutely baffled by that sensey thing as well in the 87th yeah. minute when where by the way when ranocchio came on i thought we were going to have a repeat of what happened with um, bologna <laughs> last year i was actually quite relieved he stayed in defense no that's the thing when I, if that was happening that, <laughs> that something would have been broken in my house um, no, that would have really sent no. me off that was like no yeah, the other thing i said 90 million I, euros and you put ranocchio up top i it's did like, mm, i did oh. i did ask someone with um about 10 minutes left who's also in Spanish. Can you remember a match this season where Conte's switched away from a back three? You know, that's another thing that you can ask when Inter clearly need a goal and you've got these three men at the back who, you know, who, who are lovely and they pass the ball very nice and we all like them. But, you know, with 10 <laughs> minutes left, you might as well like put a spositor on us. Just do something. You know, we don't need three defenders against a team that's too scared to overtake the, the halfway line. The, the, the thing, thing that, that gets me um, is, and, and this has been a recurring theme of the last couple of years, really, is that when assessing into managers, and uh, I'm talking about Spalletti and Conte, th these are two coaches who, in the last few jobs, or have built reputations over the course of their careers, that they're really kind of creative, inventive managers, right? They they, they make us rethink or reimagine how uh, existing players who've been on the team 
um, you know, how they play. You know, they, they, they tend to reinvent them. And uh, that was something, but for Brozovic, that Spalletti really struggled with. And, and, and you mentioned it earlier, Nima, how kind of predictable um, Inter's play was, which isn't something you can ever really say about any of Spalletti's other teams. Yeah. And and Conte is sort of finding the same same problem. It, yeah, yeah, it's a different it's a different system, um, and yet you know the, the reason why uh, certainly going into Saturday night's game and, and the excitement around Ericsson's performance and, and and what Ericsson might be able to bring is like oh Inter had become too predictable, and yeah. uh, I don't know what it is about Inter that kind of stumps um, no, these. No, it's- these managers. It's the fact that they are mad. They're both insane. Both Spalletti in his way is insane. Did you, and did you see Spalletti's Instagram photo the other yeah, day with I mean, all those shirts hanging in midair in a tr- on like, what a bizarre kind of <laughs> climbing frame in his garden? <laughs> One of the attached to a tree, like some weird Christmas. <laughs> like, I mean, the wicker man of, of, yes. of football shirts. Yeah. You're trying to tell me that they're, I mean, they're not all there. I mean, there's, a dust line. there's a fine line between between, you know, madness and genius. But the, the, when they're at Inter, they cross that line. And, and yeah. it's clear, you know, that, that's what... So I think, you know, with him, it's... I would like the next Inter coach to be sane. That's, that's all I want. That's that's pretty much where I draw the line. And I want the winner's mentality, but I also want someone who, who understands how, how this club works. And it's not to out crazy Inter. You need to calm the situation down and be be like Mourinho did, like even Mancini did. And 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 that's why I think Simeone is perfect for Inter. He's pragmatic, but he's also he knows how the club works um, inside out, and he understands the club. Conte comes from Juve. That's a completely different culture. You know, it's it's everyone just does as they're told at Juve. The Soldatini, uh, the famous Soldatini <laughs> comment by Cassano. But at Inter, it's not like that. You need you need to have all these different. You know, phalang- you know, group groupings with you to pull this thing together. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And with Spalletti, clearly it didn't work. We had a, we had basically a, some weird version of Love Island go on for six months in front of everyone <laughs> with with Ma- Mauro and Wanda and Raja and Ivan, and they're not talking with that one, and that one unfollows that one on Instagram. And, I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I'll, that was. Take, I just want to I'll say take, that's just a year ago, okay. <laughs> I was going to say I'll take, I, I'll I take just, some bad matches behind closed doors instead of you know two months of Icardi has opened up to Napoli. Oh no, he hasn't. Now he's been offered to Roma. Oh no, he's actually said no. Oh no, Wanda's gone on TV and then, again and said and this. And then Wanda on Tiki Taka arguing with Cassano yeah. back and forth, and then Cassano somehow turning out to be the voice of reason, which just tells you everything you want to know about how mad that insane situation was. Yeah, so, so, but, yeah. The, the, the other thing that the other thing that. Uh, again has been a kind of question mark over this season for me is um i remember being sat in inter's hotel in in singapore and and, and rajana england when when he uh, when he got off the bus from training um he was the most celebrated player that all the locals came out to see um or in the case of you know sort of the indonesia fan club had, had basically booked their tickets to come and to get an art autograph with and Raja was clearly there, um, you know, to to be a part of that team. Wanted to at least kind of force the conversation that he he uh, he had his head screwed on. He he wanted to to make make good on what had been a really disappointing kind of first season, but for that you know sort of last two or three months and the goal against Empoli. 
Um, and yet he was kind of lumped in with Icardi uh, and all the disruption that that had caused. And now, you know, we get we're getting to June, and 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 it, and it seems that Raja will be back. Uh. <laughs> I mean, naughty children need to be put on a timeout, and I think Marotta just put him on a season-long timeout, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's what that was. I mean, I mean, when he, I mean, one of the at the height of that madness, he does an interview with a Belgian newspaper where he's like. Where he actually says this, I'm paraphrasing, but this is the gist of what he says, that he's worked out a schedule together with the club, with the, with the club of when he can go to the club on the weekends. <laughs> I mean, for goodness sakes, like, <laughs> you know, this this has to have like ramifications, you know, and, and I'm glad it did. But I do think that it seems that he's kind of learned his lesson and he is and in the way that, that the rest of the team especially on social media they all seem to love each other and and they seem to get along i say bring him back instead of spending money on arturo vidal because other than that what's antonio conte going to whinge about next season when, when he draws against Sassuolo? <laughs> <laughs> oh don't get me stuff <laughs> this man drives me mad <laughs> <laughs> No, but no, but seriously, um, it's it's. I, I do think we should Inter should give him a second chance, and I and it seems that Marotta is, is on the is on that page as well. Yeah, no, so. it definitely does. And uh, for a team that started the season uh, getting a lot of goals from midfield, and then for that to dry up, uh, kind of when Sensi got hurt, um, I think you know Raja does bring that, and you know in the kind of economic environment in which Inter operating in at the moment. Uh, it kind of makes sense to review, um, you know, some of the players who are out on loan, um, or I mean, you know, we can all see it. They'll they'll find a player that they really like. Let's say Sandro Tonali, and basically mm. package Sebastiano Esposito up in the deal for like uh, two two cents. Um, <laughs> and then watch watch Esposito become the biggest thing in Italian football. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I, we'll have to see. No, I, I don't. I, I'm sorry. This is Posito and Pinamonti thing. It's got it's got Mattia Destro written all over it. If you ask me, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't. You know, it's 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 send them away. You know, it's especially now with when Pinamonti's got Raiola as his agent. I'm like, mm, I don't I don't want to do business with that man. Like it's just you know, and as long as he had Ibra, I do business with him. But other than that, no. <laughs> it's like that. It's it's a toxic environment, and you never know what's gonna happen if he's unhappy. He'll just go on a massive tirade somewhere and destabilize and you can do that at juve because you are a stable club inter are not a stable club things like that have they they, they it's that, that that stuff like that becomes like a giant earthquake at inter. and and it's it's just uh no i, I don't know I, I my my hope is sandro tonali without a doubt because i think with that midfield i mean you know he wants to keep Gagliardini because he wants to fix Gagliardini. Uh, that's fair enough. That's his decision. I respect that. But other than that, this, you know, if he wants to cash in on Vecino to bring in Tonali and then reintegrate Langolan, I don't. I, I can't think of an Inter fan that wouldn't sign on to that. To be honest, mm. Mm. Really can't. it does Thank feel like so- the, the midfield is for once not the most urgent. Place. No, we've Not got we've got 20 need. central midfielders of, of class, but we still got problem Victor is, Moses and Antonio Campbell. Yeah, the problem is, is the wings, as it has mm. been for the last 60 years. So. I don't know why that why like particularly right back uh, <laughs> since 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 is just like such a blind spot. It's uh, like. <laughs> I mean, you can say both you can say both sides, but like every every year, I mean. Uh, who's the Matt. who's the guy that they signed from Besiktas and then sent back? Erkin. Oh, oh my god! Inter legend. Oh my god! Is Divino Jonathan? 
John, yeah. I think he's not yeah. Dodo, yeah. Dodo Pires, um, Dodo is the same. Mark again, yeah. I mean, they, they, they tended to sign these players like, uh, you know, sort of early on in the summer transfer window. It's like, ah, yeah, look, Inter doing their business early. What a professional <laughs> club, brilliant. And then those guys were like sold or loaned out by the end of the transfer window. It's just... Yeah, no, Erkin was, was that Sooning. So that, was the, that was the best moment of that Sooning arrival summer, I think. But I mean, that was, I mean, did you read his interview in Turkish media where he completely no. threw Frank de Boer under the bus? Uh, because really? Saying, I thought he did yeah. a great job Inter. Yeah, no, he was he was like that man. I, mean, I was fine. I was. I mean, he basically said I was Mancini's guy. Everything was going well, and then that man came in. I think that's a direct quote. That man came in, <laughs> which is absolutely brilliant. Um, right, thank you so much, James. We we're just gonna do. We stayed for the whole hour. Thank you so much. Um, have you got something you want to plug um, that we can we can promote uh, that's coming out? Uh, well, there is something coming out, and it'll be Ooh. very fond to uh, to all interisti um, because he was your your nemesis for for so long. But I had a a long chat with Andrew Shevchenko um, last Friday, which I'm currently sort of translating, transcribing, which will be out I think at the in the weekend. So yeah, look out for that. We don't actually talk much about. I don't think we actually talk at all about Inter apart from the Dinamo Kiev game, Ooh. where uh, in 2010. <laughs> Yes. Um, which if, if, if you've forgotten about or you're elapsed into Easter, you read the Mourinho interview because a lot of people say that was the real turning point oh, in yeah. that season. And yeah, Sheva was like, they were dead. <laughs> they were dead. <laughs> Finish. <laughs> Finish. <laughs> you blame the goalkeeper. You blame the goalkeeper. Yes. Oh, I'm so reading that. I am so reading that. Right. Thank you so much, James. And it's at James Horncastle if we want to follow you on Twitter, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, that's the one. Thank you so, so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your chat and uh, speak soon. Speak soon. Ciao, James. Right. Uh, that was, uh, it's always great to have James on, isn't it? We always, uh, we, we always, I always write him and say 15, 20 minutes, but it's never 15, 20 minutes. I think he knows that by now. Yeah, I think he knows that. <laughs> it's like his eighth time that he's on yeah. 40 minutes. Oh. Right. Um, no, so I just wanted to briefly, before we move on, I just wanted to briefly touch on... Um, I just wanted to touch on the Napoli game. Uh, what pissed me off, said, uh, you know, what really set me off was not the uh, Inter did play well. Well, you're absolutely right. And I have to say, I want to go on the record and say that people who think that Inter should sack Antonio Conte now need their heads examined. I mean, that, that there's no logic to that at all. I was against him coming in the first place, but when he's now that he's here, you have to give him time. You have to give him the two three seasons. It doesn't make any sense if you're not going to do that. Uh, you know, it's it, that's madness to me. That's insane. So I'm not saying that we should sack Antonio Conte. I'm just critical that the the backup he's been that he's received and 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 every, is, the results don't so far as as the Italians say, I conti si fanno alla fine. You know, and we're we're not we're not there yet. We're not at the end yet. So um, so I, I just want to say that that. But so far, I'm I. If this is you know, I'm not impressed. I don't think the performances and the results match the investment and the protection that he's get. Because remember, you know, no. I mean, Beppe Marotta is. I mean, what he's done for this man and and all the protection and all the and and all the things that he does to, for him to succeed, the environment he's created. I can't think of an. It's Facchetti, you know, Mancini under Facchetti under Mancini. Uh, sorry, Mancini under Facchetti was the last person to have that kind of a figure protect and create such a great environment for him 
Um, and and I hope that Conte, I'm wrong. I hope that I'm wrong and Conte turns out, you know, we, that Mo is right and we win the Europa League or at least make the final. I want to see improvement. I want to see improvement that matches all of this, uh, all, all this investment and all this rebuild from scratch. Uh, that's 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 all I wanted to say about that uh, when it comes to Conte. But but when it comes to the game, I was disappointed. I was really disappointed in the second half for the fact that Inter looks so incredibly devoid of ideas and easily read mo what about you yeah yeah i mean look the second half was frustrating for sure i mean for a portion of the second half i think uh when he finally did the switches especially uh when alexis came on um uh as me as uh, you know james had just said we had our best chance um i wasn't disappointed honestly it's it's very bizarre it's a very bizarre uh it's very uh, set of circumstances. It's I, I mean I don't know I don't know if I'm just uh, an apologist for circumstance or I just try to rationalize everything away as a, a personality type. But um, I, I think first of all you know like if we're talking about milestones, I think leaving the San Paulo one-one and feeling def- defeated and deflated is in fact an achievement in and of itself and tells. Of where the two the two different clubs have come and gone in such a short span of time, and I, I just I can never really complain about games where you know, say for maybe 15 20 minutes uh, the, uh, throughout the entire match, the run of play went your way and it was just a miracle save after miracle save or you know uh, rusty header by Lukaku or, or or whatever. But these guys have been away, have been away for for. Uh, for, for three months. So I'm not reading too much into this. I, I think, I don't think there was enough desire. I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to desire. And I think the desire is in, has always been in pro- proving to be a contender for the Scudetto. I don't think it's been in anyone's heart, really in their heart of hearts and Conte's ambitions to win the Coppa Italia. And which is why I still think that we have a good chance with Europa League, because I think there'll be nothing but that to look at. So that, that's why I'm just I'm 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 disapp- I might be disappointed about certain things in the games, especially the the late substitutions. I agree, but again, who is he going to bring on? Who, who's he going to bring on? You replace Lautaro and uh, Lautaro or Lukaku? Who do you replace him with? It's you, take, be you take Lautaro off because Lautaro looks completely destabilized and men is a, I mean he's he's clearly yes. rattled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To bring on yes, Alexis Sanchez. That's, that's yeah, I know, but. But, Nima, we don't know. We're not Conte. We're not with these players. We don't know what state of mind the player is in. Maybe he's trying to, you know, uh, make sure that Lautaro is part of the long-term project next year. Maybe if he had taken him off, subbed him off half-time or in the 60th minute, he was afraid that he'd be really destabilizing the, the player's mentality. I don't know. You know, like, there's, there's more to managing a squad than, than we know from whatever 90-minute window we get to look at every every other day or so you know so I, I i just i don't know i just i like to put my faith in 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 whoever is you know as long as they're proven come on say it say it, say it say it say it say it in no no but uh, say, no, no you want no, no in conte we trust that's, that's how i'm going to force you to say in, it, in, say in it. Conte, <laughs> no no in conte in conte i trust for sure and it's and it's not conte it's paletti i trusted in whoever you know you know, okay. save for, you know, okay, uh, Mazzari or Desbor or whatever, but like, you know, 
I was just being. But, I was, uh, yeah. You know why? <laughs> I wanted you to force you to say it. Say that dirty word. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, I just, I think that, like you said, I think that the improvements to the team overall, like overall, have been so tremendous and so, so structural. Like uh, the, the mentality, the identity, the, the the coherence of play. And and I think all of that matters so much more than uh, Coppa Italia exit at the San Paolo after three months worth of quarantine playing in front of no fans with very little to motivate you in June. You know, that's that 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 for me just doesn't doesn't rub me the wrong way too much. You know, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's Mike, my, my Mike. Mike, talk to me. Where are you on this? I'm just I'm I'm listening and I'm enjoying. First of all, I I, I love when Will and James are on the podcast together because it just brings me a whole <laughs> new level of excitement. You know, when, they, when they talk to each other, it's, like, yeah, it's fun. You can guys. put me, you can put them on a, yeah, a theater, and I sit by myself in the, just in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. One hundred percent. I agree. It's very very good thing. There's yeah. nothing that once I found out James and Will were going to be on, I'm like I'm there. <laughs> Uh, I, think you, I think that meant you thought I, could, I won't get won't get a chance to speak for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that was my bad. Uh, look, in in uh, I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered right now that Inter's gone out in in Coppa Italia. I mean, because it, 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 maybe it's because the last three months I've just been empty and not had that 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 you know that uh, one match, two match a week of you know, part of my life still there. And then it comes back and it's just like, okay, well, I know this feeling because I've experienced it the last three months of just not having them, you know, involved. So I'm not, I'm not that bothered by it. Like, yeah, of course I'm bothered, but at the same time, it's just like, there's, there's more important things as there was progress. You know, I said that Ospina made some miraculous saves in that game that were, were, you know, Inter could have easily, easily won, won the game and, and, and gone from there. So I'm not not that bothered. If they would have come out and played like crap the entire game, then then I'd be a little more bothered. But uh, look, it's the first it's the first match back, and and you know there might not be that much more to play for the rest of the season. You know, you know having such a gap now from first to Inter in in, in the Scudetto race, and you know there's, for me there's not that much there. Uh, but uh, like Mo was talking about earlier, hey, listen, we've got Europa League, and this could be our opportunity to finally care about it and finally move forward with it because we're not struggling just to make Champions League this year. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not that bothered given our our stance in Europa League. And uh, uh, look, once we get once once we get a, a better feel of what our what our you know return is like when we play Samp on the weekend. Then uh, you can ask me how I feel if we don't get a result then, and I'll give you my uh, uh, a, a higher sense of how pissed off I would be. <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Um, I will. I'll, I'll, leave the, I'll leave the last word of the. Uh, I'll leave the last word of the pod. Uh, uh, or not the pod. I'll leave the last word of the Napoli game to you. Anything else you want to raise? No, I th- I thought it was actually a better performance overall than I was expecting. Um, the first half was very impressive, but uh, predictably, as, as we've seen before in previous games, um, in fact, I sent a message to I mentioned I mentioned a message to friend. I also messaged him at the end of the first half saying, 
uh, I think we're going to pay for the fact that we haven't added a second. And at the exact moment I looked up and Kandareva was smashing the ball into Ospina's gloves at the near post. And then 30 seconds later, uh, it became 1-1. And it's a film we've seen before. Um, I didn't think the second half was very good up until the last sort of 25 minutes. I think it's just, you know, we sh- I think the problem is that we are a very good team when we are dominating the other team physically but when our energy levels drop uh we try to do the same thing as we were doing in the first half and we haven't got the energy to do it um so you know th- we're a very good team when we're intense and we're, we're not such a not such a fun team when we're um lacking energy so uh that, that we're unwatchable just... when we lack energy we're painful to watch well i mean the, it was it was, <laughs> it was a strange man i no i i it wasn't unwatchable. Come on. Um, the second half was no. in large stretch. The second half wasn't good, but you know, uh, and it was frustrating that he waited so long to yes uh, to introduce some changes. That I think is is undiscu- um I was going to say indiscutible. It's not you can't you can't discuss that. You can't debate that. Um, but it wasn't really anything that we hadn't seen before. So I kind of just resigned myself to it. I think the, the <laughs> overall, you know, there was very fine margins in both of those semi-finals. Quite how it's a Juventus Napoli final, I'm not really sure. Um, Napoli have got some kind of esoteric force pushing them in this Coppa Italia because I remember the quarterfinal against Lazio and they had Lazio hit the bar about six times in that match um, in the last sort of 20 minutes or so but you know it's cup football that happens um, I wasn't too disappointed with the performance but that was that was precisely why I was frustrated that we went out because it was doable um, but I think if if I'm going to look and have regrets about this match obviously I have it on the goal that was conceded because that was very silly um, but I, I have them on the first leg I think that's really the the problem it was the tie was lost in a first leg that happened four months ago when we had a lot of games one after the other yeah, and uh, yeah. we weren't at our best so yeah. fair enough fair enough right let's uh, move uh, on uh, i mean we play Sampdoria on the weekend it's impossible to preview anything about that because it's it's a game that we you know remember that remember that beautiful memory when they allowed half the games to be played and then they didn't let the other half be played and all that so this is our makeup game uh, against Sampdoria at the San Siro <laughs> <laughs> at an at an empty makeup game. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's a, well, we're making up the game. I mean it's like a game in hand. But you remember that not 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 snogging. <laughs> I'm not saying they're gonna. No, I like, was thinking sort of um, you know <laughs> mascara and that sort of thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> like oh makeup. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. No. No. I mean. I mean. This like, this, <laughs> this match is you know this match is like a something. This became some kind of mythical creation that a couple of months ago. You know there was just it was the game that didn't exist. For, you know, it, it was first it was going to be in February and then it wasn't. Then it was postponed and then it was scheduled for. Oh, no, it was, this was the game that had no spot in the calendar because, yes, because the games had been called off. And no, because Andrea they would, didn't want to play yeah. that game. When the Fiji were, were chanting played. on us going out of Europe. So yeah. there was there was no place to put into Sam. I remember uh, Fabrizio Biazin, who we obviously who we quote a lot on Semper Inter, who said, um, I think Inter Samp is going to open the Max Pezzali concert on the 11th of July. That's where they'll end up putting it. <laughs> because there's nowhere else to fit it. Oh, it's, it's, it's quite an exciting event because this, this is a match that I think a lot of us had resigned ourselves to never seeing for as long as we lived. And mm. it's only a few days away. So don't, don't, don't better it. deliver. Don't jinx it. It can still not happen. So we don't know in these days. Um, nowadays, we, you take it one day at a time. That's that's my motto. Plan for the future, but take it one one day at a time. Right. So I don't know what to say about it other than you know we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. And I'm hoping to you know that we can see some sort of the, the Inter pick themselves up from this. I would I would just say that the only thing I think you can really say um, realistically and um, uh, meaningfully about this game is that the next eight matches 
uh, Inter Sampdoria, Inter Sassuolo, Parma Inter, Inter Brescia, Inter Bologna, Verona Inter, Inter Torino, Spal Inter. Uh. Right? So we are potentially six points away from Juventus and Lazio if we win this match. Right? So there is a, still a chance. So we've just got to do our bit. And so it's important to start well. Um, mm. these are, yeah. these are, these, there, there's a lot of points to be won in this next sort of eight games that could potentially reopen the door. I'm not particularly optimistic myself. We are clearly the third favourites in this race, but I think there is still a race to be run if we start Absolutely. reasonably well. So let's Absolutely. not resign ourselves to, you know, Absolutely. nothing into the season just yet. Absolutely. Couldn't that that's absolutely true. That's fair. Um so uh, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of uh and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the negativity this week's uh Modji, which we presented by Mr. Michael Gallo. This week's Moji of the Week, well, it could be a frog too, but I'm going to shift it to uh, the the part where the security in the <laughs> Mallorca Stadium had a colossal failure. They played <laughs> a closed-door game like you know the rest of soccer matches like are in the world right now. But apparently it wasn't closed doors because a fan, a pitch invader got onto the field somehow wearing an Argentina shirt. <laughs> so I'm trying to find out, re, can I wrap my head around how a pitch invader ends up on the field if there's no fans in the stadium? <laughs> That's so a special level of incompetence. Yeah, Yeah. apparently this, this guy wearing the Argentina jersey, he jumped over a fence. He said in an interview afterwards, he jumped over a fence. That's all it took for him to get into the stadium where, you know, we've got the biggest club in the world playing. And there was no security. Since since there's, you know, no fans of these games, they've probably lightened security up, you know, 80, 90%. And if this fan got on the field and he went up to Messi, but he didn't, oh, I didn't, get a, didn't get a picture with Messi, but he, he got one with Jordi Alba. <laughs> and uh, now the Spanish police are saying that he will be—he's going to be charged criminally for because it—it it was a health uh, risk towards. Yeah. Uh, he socially distanced himself with—he uh, didn't apply that rule with uh, the people that he was uh, going after. So he's going to be charged criminally, not just a fine. Even though he—he uh, he deems that he's only going to get a fine, but doesn't look that way according to Spanish police. So that's uh, my mojo of the week is the Mallorca Stadium Defense, as I, I would call them. <laughs> the security. That, yeah, that does remind me that there was um, that, that Mallorca against Barcelona match was going on at the same time as, as Napoli Inter on Saturday evening, which which gave somebody the opportunity to, to say on Twitter that uh, Lautaro had more touches in the Mallorca Barcelona match than he had in <laughs> Napoli Inter. <laughs> that was his uh, state of mind. At the yeah. San Paolo. Sure. Right, uh, let's uh, move on to something much more comical. Uh, this week's Frog, which will be presented by Mr. Will Beckman. E clamoroso! Autogol di Ranocchia! Yes, I couldn't find anything particularly that um, excited me this week. So I've actually done a, a frog sort of encompassing the last three months of um, of COVID era planet Earth. Um, oh, so. Oh. 
I'm, I've, uh, I saw a story on uh, Sky News about three weeks ago, and I'm simply going to read it because I don't think I think that there are there are some jokes and some stories that really just tell themselves. So I'm just going to I'm just going to plow on with this. This is from the 28th of May. Two men snuck into a bedroom with machetes after being hired to carry out a stranger's sexual fantasy of being tied up in his underwear and stroked with a broom only to discover they'd got the wrong address. The pair from Sydney, Australia, made their apologies and left the victim's bedside as soon as they realised their mistake. Um, the judge in this particular case, uh, they were acquitted of um, intending to intimidate while being armed with an offensive weapon. But the, the judge in New South Wales said uh, they carried the machetes either as a prop or as something to use in that fantasy. The fantasy was unscripted and there was discretion as to how it would be carried out. According to court documents, a man living in New South Wales wanted a broom handle to be rubbed around his underwear. He was willing to pay $5,000 if it was really good. But the client made arrangements with a man on Facebook and sent his address before he later updated it after moving house more than 30 miles away. Hence the um, hence the misunderstanding. So a really unfortunate sexual fantasy gone wrong um, for this uh, this this poor man who I believe was was meant to be called Kevin, but wasn't called Kevin. Um so he got a bit of a surprise at 6.15 a.m. when two men turned up offering to take machetes into, into strange places. Um, so I, I think that has to give, uh, that was an interesting story that I think is just important that we share it with, the, with our listeners. I should just clarify, the two men and their driver did eventually arrive at the correct address where the customer spotted one had a great big knife in his trousers. I love how you may have brought that to a happy ending. Right. Um, God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> no more to add. <laughs> no, there is nothing more to add to that. Let's move on to something much more sane uh, and positive. This week's uh, Morati, which is presented by Mr. Uh, Mohammed Nasser. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and... Uh, he surprised uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. It's very good to be back. It's extremely good to be back. It's good to be back with football. It's good to be back on this podcast. And no matter what James Horcastle says, we're back because of money. I don't care why we're back, but we're back. Mm. And the fact that we're back is this week's Marathi of the Week. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking uh, more about football and watching matches, you know, and Talking about Inter, and um, even if it, uh, you know, gets us to pull uh, what little hair, at least in my case, uh, we've got left. <laughs> so I think uh, the Marathi of the week uh, is is the fact that uh, football's back and we're back. And if there's anything the last three weird months has, uh, you know, made me uh, learn and appreciate, of course, is, you know, uh, assuming everyone, of course, is uh, healthy and safe and sound, is that, you know, we, ha- we need to take, you know, everything, uh, take nothing for granted. And I think football and, and, and things like this podcast is something that's very uh, important for me, at least uh, fun-wise, you know, and uh, mm. sanity-wise. And so uh, it's 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 very nice to be back. So uh, great, uh, great being with you guys. Couldn't say said it better myself. I agree 100%. I've totally missed doing this, uh, and I've missed the games, um, uh, and I've missed Inter in a way, I guess, in a sadomasochistic way. I've missed Inter destroying my mood for the rest of the week by, <laughs> by emotionally giving me. Uh, and I mean, on the the thing is, the following day was was when the Swedish league, opening day of the Swedish league, and IFK Gothenburg, my other twin twin child, decided to 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 hit the other bollock. 
from really hard with with their baby shoes. So so basically, the intern 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 IFK kind of ruined the weekend for me. So but at the end of the day, football is back, and that is in and of itself good. As much as you as any parent will will say, I mean, you love your kids even though they drive you crazy, and you don't take them for granted, and you don't shouldn't take anything for granted. So. Having said that, I'd like to thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, James Horn for Horncastle again. And you, Mike, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. And, uh, you know, hopefully we get a nice three points this weekend. And, uh, you know, I've, quickly I'll, I'll, I'll say that the last three months I've, I've, I've realized that I've been much more calm. My life has been calmer. <laughs> And that's due to the fact that there's been, you know, obviously Inter has been playing, so I'm not going crazy. But at the same time, sports in general are not on. So usually that's what makes me emotional and go crazy. So the fact that there has been no sports was a good thing, blessing in disguise. But now we're back to, okay, well, now I'm going to start ripping my hair out the rest of the, until July. So maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing, who knows. But it is a good thing that soccer is back and uh, excited for the, the game this weekend. For sure. And you will. Good to have you back again. Miss talking to you. Miss these, these back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've just been talking to myself for the last three months. It's not quite the same when I don't have you on the other end. <laughs> Mo Nassar, as always, a pleasure. Uh, good to have you again. And I can't wait to start reading your previews. And boy, is it gonna, are you going to be stressed. <laughs> Mo? Oh, I think we lost Mo. Yeah. Oh, you there? Mo, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, you're breaking up. I can hear you. I don't know why. It was, it was fine. It was fine all uh, podcast long, and now I'm just. In, oh, okay, so so so, so 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 do you, do you want to just react to that old to that last part that I said? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's re- it's really good to be back. Good to have you back. And until next week, I am your host, Nima Tavale Rutsari, wishing you all a good weekend. Health, safety of your loved ones and yourselves, uh, three points, and sempre e solo forza inter. Forza inter. Forza inter. Forza inter. Forza inter.